And we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to HCG episode 28, our first time not wearing masks in yeah. the studio. Give me some. Come on, boy. You get to hear all the tongue noises, all the, uh-huh. the crisp little changes. The, all of the little smacks and everything. But you also get to hear the deep tone. Oh, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I went to a different <laughs> I went to a different. <laughs> you went to a different dimension on that one. Yeah, bro. Jerome. Jerome Rome thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Jerome. That dude needs to make a comeback. Yeah, dude, hit us with it if you can do it. Um Oh, it's been a while. Let's read the newspaper in Jerome's voice. Alright. Hello. I will be reading the Marquette newspaper with you. Now that you're all settled, I will begin reading. Now read softly, slowly, give you time to digest what I'm reading, give you time to think on what you hear with your ears. The Marquette University Board of Trustees has approved a new seal. The updated seal comes after years of criticism from community members over the seal's inaccurate depiction of Father Marquette leading indigenous people. As we have been called to reflect on our own symbols, it became clear the Marquette University needs a seal that aligns with our mission, vision, and guiding values. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> oh my god, that was good. You know the ASMR stuff? That's what it felt yeah. like. I should have incorporated more smacking with it. And to finish... More in in line with our guidance, so we replace the Native Americans with wheat. With wheat, yes, yeah. So I guess that was the issue: is that it showed Father Marquette as if he was leading the indigenous people, and not the indigenous <laughs> people leading lead him. him. So then they just took out all the indigenous people and just made wheat. Took out everybody. What? Why? I don't know, dude. At the same time, it also like even questioning like the new one is still like a why like it doesn't really matter it's, mm-hmm. it's wheat at this point it's literally the exact river that was on the old seal <laughs> but just the boat is gone that's like that's like doing the uh, the washington crossing the delaware river painting but taking the boat out yeah it's just the river it's like why <laughs> who cares about the delaware river by itself the river baby it's got the three split. Is that just a symbolism of the Trinity? Or is that how the actual river goes? They said that this represents the Native American community more than the fact that they actually included the Native Americans in the picture. The three river splits? Was there, <laughs> were there three tribes or something? I don't know, bro. <laughs> Maybe. That'd be cool. If they did that, if there was like actual symbolism in it, the three stalks and the three river streams, that'd be cool. If If that's not what it is, then... It just looks cool, I guess. They could have done like the Milwaukee tribe symbol, mm-hmm. if that's even a tribe. Whatever tribe was here that helped yeah. help Father Marquette, mm-hmm. they could have put some symbolism. Or they could just right in the middle of the symbol, in the middle of the entire seal, just we stole the land from you guys. We apologize. Just put what they put what they put in the at the end of their emails. we recognize have you seen that before no okay some professors will send out an email and at the bottom of the email it will say we recognize that literally we stole this land from native american tribes in the area i'm seeing this it's 
I'm like, why isn't that included at the end of every Marquette like email that President Level sends? Like, I just is it is it not on his? I don't think so. All right, let's see. Um, maybe Andy Hunt has it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why I just name dropped. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy, so it doesn't. Really, he's oh, yeah, he's a good guy. That's not that. <laughs> let me uh, let me try to find it in case you can't. That's weird, man. That's that's cool, but weird. Yeah. He doesn't have it. Most of my my uh, professors don't even have a signature other than just their name. Check out the bottom of this email. Unless if you'd like Jerome to read it. (laughs) Is it just... <laughs> it just I don't know how 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 fitting it is when you're sending like can't wait to see you professor yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah is, you is just the, mentioned the atrocities. can I say what the response was yeah <laughs> this response says I can't wait to see you soon justice with four exclamation points and then it just has a whole map and outline of the Menominee Potawatomi Ho Chunk Fox Moscatan Sauk Ojibwe Thought that was an African tribe. I'll be hundred percent honest. Ojibwe. Ojibwe. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's sick. Like the, he has a whole map attached to it. It's just dope. That's cool. I could see uh, history professors. I mean, you know, doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. But then again, neither does their name. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> Nor their title. Exactly. Doctor. I mean, I have a saying under mine, so it's not like that needs to be there, but it's just cool to have it there. Really? Yeah. Is it leave every day better than you found it? Yeah. <laughs> I never I never figured out how to make the signature. <laughs> <laughs> I just isolated put Justice Gill or JG at the end of all my emails. Four years, no signature. Dang. Yeah. You don't have a cute picture? Mm-mm. Dang. Yeah. My picture is you naked. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 now for the annual update is it a, okay so here's my question is a picture of me naked above the leave every day better than you found a quote or below it <laughs> well, <laughs> i have two <laughs> front and back <laughs> oh my goodness huh <sighs> <laughs> So they get they get a full experience, a full exposure. They could fit that in. Oh. It's actually a 3D image. <laughs> <laughs> they click it, it pulls them in the metaverse. And it's just a 3D round image of of your entire body. It's a 360. Oh. You can just click on it and then drag and switch the angle. It's like Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> Google Earth. <laughs> the 3D imaging that zooms in. Oh man, dude, there's got to be a. Oh, never mind. I'm not gonna continue on this. Yeah, rabbit. I just don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> pass this rabbit hole. Oh, uh, unless you're Alice in Wonderland. I haven't seen the movie, so. Oh man. No. I think in one of the movies she goes down a rabbit hole. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just said, oh yeah, like I knew what you were talking <laughs> about. That would make sense to me, dude. Yeah, no, I never paid attention to any of those movies. I just remember a rabbit hole, and I was like, why is she going down there? And she did, and she ended up in the multiverse. 
Dude, not not statistically advantageous. Strategically yeah. advantageous. It's not strategically advantageous. Like you have to worry about the proportions. You have to worry about how deep does the tunnel go. Does right. it stay the same width the entire length of the tunnel? And do you actually get out at some point? Exactly. Like you ever like had like 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 you ever had the the fear if you go down a slide and it just ends. There's no opening to the other side. Ah. Yeah. When I was a kid, yeah, for sure. I had dreams about that. Really? Yeah. Vivid <sighs> ones where there's water at the end too and it started piling up. Oh, no. Don't know where that came from. That is so sad, bro. <laughs> it's a little bit better than my lying dream. <laughs> <laughs> I heard lying. I was thinking lying and then I was like, oh, no, he's talking about him lying about a snowboard business. Um, <laughs> not a bad business idea. I'll be hundred percent honest. It's fire business idea. Bro. I was like, why isn't this a thing? Yeah. Um, drop shipping snowboarding. You guys can steal that if anybody listens to this as an entrepreneur. Drop shipping snowboarding. Yeah. Just uh, lose the dishonesty with it. <laughs> don't you, lie about yourself. You don't gotta lie about your profit levels. You don't gotta lie about the money you put in. Just you know, keep it honest. But do you think that's why? Like, at least when I was a kid. When I was at the top of a big slide, my mom would always be at the bottom like, mm-hmm. saying, okay, come down. Do you think that's why? Because they're thinking maybe the kid's too scared to go down if he doesn't know what's at the other end. Right. But then you see your parents, you're like, oh, I'm just sliding into their arms. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a leap of faith, but there's a there's a side of comfort. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. see that. Yeah. My parents never stood at the other Yeah, I know. That was going <laughs> to be my conclusion. <laughs> your parents never did either. I was gonna say, man, your parents said this like that's cool, man. <laughs> Maybe they did. You know what? That's that's too easy for me to say no. I didn't. They didn't. Yeah. Um. That's too easy. My mom did help me drop in though for my first skateboarding thing. Ooh. Yeah, she held my hand. How did she get down the ramp? It was a small one. Ah, okay. Like my first ever drop in on a small ramp. That's sick. Yeah. It was like the first day I got the my brand new board. Uh-huh. She's like, let's go to the skate park. I was like, all right. <laughs> this is some this is some Tony Norton stuff right here. Just dive in. Yeah. I was like, all right. Head first. Oh. Just could not hesitate. Like I hesitated hecka. Mm-hmm. Hecka. Hella. Whatever. And finally I just dropped in. I remember my brother and my friends were there watching me, like my two friends. Yeah. And I finally did it. So I'm like, screw it, let's go to McHenry, which was like a huge half pipe. Oh, and I started God. dropping in there. And I would eat it. I didn't. I did not care. I I look back now, thinking how terrifying that that actually was. You got to be either young enough or like just you. You're you're not averse to risk at all. To be going down ramps that literally look like a straight wall, and then they finally come out into a ramp at the bottom. Yeah. Like, bro. Oh, I remember <laughs> when I was a kid. Me and my brothers were would go to this skate park called Four Seasons. And they had these gigantic ramps that were, I think, meant for biking. Mm. But we would try to just skate on them. <laughs> yeah. The drop-ins were insane. And there was this really, really big one that was the tallest in the entire park. And about four feet down the the ramp itself, there was like a plank missing. So you get a wheel stuck in that little uneven spot. <laughs> you go tumbling. And I did. <laughs> and I went tumbling down the entire ramp. <laughs> so brutal. At least it wasn't cement, but it, it was tough, bro. Yeah. But if you go fast enough, you would just bump in and then bump out. So your goal was to, like, get a bunch of speed and go down and just bump it and then 
Yeah. Dude, why? I don't know. <laughs> Dude. The adrenaline rush, though, when you got to the bottom. Well, when you were going down, but when you got to the bottom, the relief, it was, it was insane. Yeah, you survived. Yeah. <laughs> That's a risk I would not take. I guess if you could see that you would make it. Like, there's, there's probably, like, a skinny one. Mm-hmm. Skinny little plank. I'm thinking about it now. Yeah. Because I know there's, like, the really thin plank boards. Mm-hmm. The ones I've skated on were, like, the fat ones, like, the 20 feet by 20 feet. Ah. And there was, like, one piece, and it was just, like. Oh, like a sheet of wood instead. Yeah, it okay. wasn't, like, one one little tile. Yeah. Like that. No. That's how the ramp is structured. It was, like, tiles. Yeah. It was almost two by fours, but I think it might have been, like one by fours if that's a thing because yeah. like, the width was smaller okay but it's just big enough to catch your wheel <laughs> send you flying if you <laughs> you went in there dude yeah terrifying looking back now at all those stupid things like you're like oh how would i do that that was so like scary or something but it just wasn't like a risk a risk assessment there it, mm-hmm. it just wasn't like even now looking back at football in the moment i put my head down looking back now like that's gonna that's probably that probably would have broken my neck if I didn't do it exactly. right carefully. But even now, I mean, with boxing, I still <laughs> obviously don't care. Yeah. About my safety. <laughs> well, I don't care about mine clearly. <laughs> <laughs> my parents got me headgear. I'm just like, no, I won't wear it when I'm sparring with anyone. <laughs> CTE. Uh, I think you'll be okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> we don't know, bro. I. <laughs> Uh, when I'm talking to my brothers, there'll be so many times where I'll just like say a completely wrong word or just like mess up a sentence. I'm like, oh no, I already got, <laughs> I already got CTE, bro. <laughs> Twenty-two with CTE. What do you mean? You'll just like m- not say anything in regard to what you guys were talking about? No, no, no. It'll be like I'll I'll be saying a sentence, and like let's say I'm let's say I'm talking about like a board. Mm-hmm. I'll like say a weight or some random word or like say something that sounds like a board like a butt or something i'll be like wait that's a completely wrong word yeah <laughs> and it happens only in conversations with them every single time like once a week so i don't know if it's an unconscious thing or if it's just my brain is, is slowly decaying from all those right hooks and left hooks I <laughs> dude you've been doing this for like a year <laughs> you're okay Unless you're getting hit with hooks like I don't even know about. Yeah. Unless you're just constantly getting nailed at uh, boxing practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did spar with Mike Tyson. I think that might be the underlying. <laughs> just one session. I had one session with it, one coaching session. I guarantee, bro. I guarantee there was at least one or two kids that would spar with him once or twice and would end up with some kind of damage. Like Yeah. Or fight him. You know the person who's impatient or in a rush how much force they exert Mm because you know the story about him he used to try to knock out sparring partners he could go watch looney tunes yeah so i mean people who rush things tend to have a a lot more force exertion exactly exactly and who have their mind on something else yeah once i knock this fool out (laughs) i'm gonna go watch bugs bunny and daffy duck just wild out with elmer fudd that's crazy yeah and then like the if, I don't know if you've seen interviews where he's talking about the person he'd have to become when he had to fight someone for real mm-hmm. and like how much he doesn't like that person. It's like a really insightful interview I watched with him on his podcast. Um, but yeah, it was the same thing. It was like he was literally became a completely different person. 
as soon as he stepped in the ring and he just plowed through mm. literally everyone. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's it's interesting seeing him now say like, oh, I don't like I don't like that that Mike that stepped in there. I don't like that Mike Tyson. Mm. And uh just hearing his like growth throughout his life is really really cool. Inspiring too. Mm-hmm. So I think one day after I get hit enough in the head by you, like I'll come to that point. Like I don't like the justice who thought it was a good idea to spawn <laughs> with no headgear. I don't like him. <laughs> uh, except I won't be able to remember him because of the damage. But. Just such a happy person because <laughs> he doesn't remember anything. Oh my goodness. That's that's exactly what one of my psychology studies were. One of the videos we watched in psychology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's this dude who had horrible memory. Like he forgot literally everything from the point he got a brain injury about 10 to 20 years ago. And he even was forgetting names of people around him. And then the guy interviewing him was like, you seem like such a happy man. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, uh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> He's like, why would you not be? I was like, oh, that's a bar. But I was like, dude, dude was just, oh, he was ecstatic just not knowing anything. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's got to be a piece to that. Oh, my goodness. Dang, that's probably what uh, yeah, what Socrates was talking about, or mm. Aristotle was talking about, one the two. Yeah. Just not knowing is, is bliss. Mm-hmm. So did he not know, like, so it would be short term or was it long term? He didn't know what happened. It was long-term. Everything before his brain injury, he remembered. Before. So in a way, he remembered his long-term. But anything he learned, short-term or long-term, after that brain injury, he just forgot. Interesting. Yeah. So he'd have to write notes all the time and be like, hey, okay, this was this person's name. And you have to look at it and study it and continually associate it with that person in order to remember them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like he forgot the interviewer's name after five minutes. Oh, man. Yeah, that's rough. I thought it was long-term. Like he lost... Memory of trauma or something. Yeah. Okay. That's also good too. If somebody wrongs you, you're just just literally completely forgot. <laughs> and you're like, hey, and the person's like kind of nervous because like I don't know if it, I was gonna react to me. Yeah. And these the person's like, oh, he doesn't remember. That's forgive and forget for sure. That, or that's just forget. I don't that's know just, about forget. I don't know about forgiven. <laughs> that that's interesting too. I wonder if it's just his brain that doesn't remember. Like. Because you know the brain's connected with everything. There's no way it's that literally every part of him, mm-hmm. even the deeper him, forgot. Yeah. Right? Maybe it's such a quick forgiveness that he's just like, ah, that's weird, man. Mm-hmm. That's weird. I've never understood that that premise of literally forgetting completely about something. Yeah. And that's the really interesting thing is that like memory is like, from what I understand, I could be completely wrong. So, Mike, feel free to correct me. Memory is spread throughout the entire brain. Um, but for him, the damage was to the part of the brain that forms new memories mm. and attaches emotions to those memories. Oh. So, like, he would remember things from the past, but he couldn't form new memories because of the damage to this, that specific part of his brain. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really fascinating. Could he learn new things? He could, but he would forget them. Unless if he continually practiced them. So if he continually practiced them, could he eventually learn them? They didn't go that far. Okay. I assume. They were just like, if we take just learning the names, it'd be like the same process. Like you'd have to write them down and continually do them. But learning a new skill, that'd be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like how 
how would he learn how to say mow a lawn or yeah. drive a car? Literally anything. Yeah. That's that's brutal. Uh, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> well, not ignorance, forgetfulness is bliss. <laughs> Thank you, Master Gill. <laughs> Just says it like this is the most profound, never thought of thing. <laughs> I think, therefore I am, bro. <laughs> Bars. Yeah. That's how I envision philosophers. Like, philosophers that only study philosophy yeah they were just even the stoics like i'm reading the the book on the stoics the history of them mm-hmm. and talking about how they used to just me on the porches and just talk about things and and ideas and debate what a virtue is and all that yeah and i'm curious how important they had to think of themselves to be like <laughs> i am important enough to just sit here and talk about what a virtue is yeah because there, there are certain Stoics, you know, like there, there was Diogenes who used to work. Like he, he worked as bringing water to gardens. Mm-hmm. So he literally was a laborer, and then he would come to the Stoa, the porch, and discuss these things. So it was like, okay, there's a practical side of the man too. But then there's like the, you know, there's the rich guys that just come in, or the rich kids that come in, and all mm-hmm. they, all they do is debate these virtues like it's the most incredible thing in the world. Yeah. Huh. Do you think they were operating from a a position of I have this knowledge mm. that I'm sharing or were they trying to learn or maybe a mix of both? What do you think? Definitely both. Okay. Well, I mean, definitely both in terms of there was people that, you know, thought they knew it and there were people that just wanted to know. Because mm-hmm. philosophers used to go from school to school most yeah. of the time to find answers or to hear different points of views. Mm-hmm. So coming into these schools with thinking that you already know something yeah defeats the purpose yeah oh yeah we're looking at a philosophers right now and like how they responded to criticism Mm. like um kant that is how you say it yeah Yeah, okay thank goodness Kant. <laughs> no, Kant responded horribly to criticism, like his categorical imperative. Oh, Immanuel Kant? Yeah, yes. Immanuel Kant. Yes. Like he, he was not good with criticism. And we were pointing out like problems with his theory and problems with his even metaphysics and other areas that he, he, he dove into um, as a philosopher. And like, the professor was sharing how when people would criticize him, then he would like just like not take it well at all Mm -hmm. he would not take any constructive criticism he would not take anything he would use like his position to like shut it down whoa (laughs) it's crazy bro because he thought he like with a categorical imperative which is due unto others as he would have them do unto you pretty much just recycled (laughs) was it was it one of his principles yeah 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 so he was like this is the wisdom this is how This is the only ethical theory you need. Right. Is if a behavior a behavior is only of of uh moral value if it can be um practiced by everyone. Mm-hmm. That's how you judge if it has moral worth or not. If everybody can practice if it. If everyone can practice it and then you look at the consequences of everyone practicing it. Okay. Which that's not exactly how it's written, but that's the idea behind it. So you'd be like, okay, that's why lying's wrong. Because if if I were to let's say I were if I were to lie to you about my business and say right. I made forty three k whatever it was yeah. off of it, thirty eight k, yeah, it'd be like that benefits me because 
that makes you think, oh, he's balling. Like mm-hmm. he has business advice he can give me, and I can be one of those people that give talks. Um, <laughs> but it wouldn't be a behavior that can be mimicked by everyone in the world. Because if everyone's lying to each other about everything, it's like business can't really take place. Trust isn't there. Mm-hmm. Like relationships are hard to form, and loyalty can't really exist. So it's like, okay, that's just not a universal. You can't universalize that behavior. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what his theory is. But he was like, I found the greatest wisdom in the world. <laughs> right. Um, and it's a good it's a good theory, good starting point, but there are definitely problems with it. Okay. Yeah. And he wouldn't take that too too lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Undermining is probably one of the toughest things for for most people. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say for intellects, but I that's one of the <laughs> that's one of my still working points is is people undermining me. Mm. So it's I wouldn't say it's just for intellects, it's for those who the most people. Yeah. Right. How do you how do you see undermining? Like what is your what is your definition of undermine? Um undermine for me is the one that gets me the most is when I provide I seek out provide information mm-hmm. to somebody and then it gets sent back in a in a way that the answer wasn't good enough. Ah. And it, it's to a point of like, it's not even a, it's not an objective, it's a subjective answer. Okay. So at that point, something in me is just like, nah, I don't get angry. It's more so like I just get taken over with the idea of that, you know what, it's, it's better off if they do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So I just instantly get taken over. But I could see how definitely in the past, I definitely flared up. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. uh, Ex- exploded is that the word <laughs> exploded blew up yeah yeah um what do you think it is about that because to me like my interpretation is you know okay i worked significantly hard at finding a solution to this i worked significantly hard at gathering this information and providing it to you mm-hmm. plus it's subjective so it's like okay i worked really hard on my solution i'm giving it to you and then they're like no yeah <laughs> and you're just like oh, oh. but but the work I put in and all this stuff, like what, mm. what is the feeling, the underlying feeling, do you think? Oh, that's good. That's a good question. Probably confusion mm-hmm. because I don't see what they see. For example, uh. <laughs> I'll just use the one with my pops, right? I, was, I sought out information on this land and he was really looking to to why the person is selling like why do they actually sell and the agent didn't know and i told him he Mm -hmm. didn't know and then i was like okay you can go look at yourself or something like that basically said that and then i thought about it reflected on why i said that and and i saw my blindness because i've never experienced actually going through that before Mm -hmm. so i thought i knew like i was like why would it even matter but it, it probably matters why somebody is selling the land at yeah. such a cheap price. Like you probably want to know that and dive in there. Yeah. And that the the confusion as well as like the annoyance with it was there's no way for me to find out. And so that was like the instant where I, I saw that, oh, I'm just limiting myself to, to my, I'm putting my own limitations and this person is pushing me to go past it, mm-hmm. past my limitations and really actually find the answer Yeah. versus me just saying, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. versus the mentality of how can I do it? Yeah. Right. Mm. And maybe even like, maybe even you, there are times where you think, okay, I went past my limitations on this. Like I worked hard enough to mm. figure this out. 
then they're like, mm, still not good enough. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what did you do though? <laughs> you yes. do, yeah. Yeah. It's like, but your solution obviously didn't work. That's why you're asking me for help. Or mm. Your ideas weren't good enough. That's why you're asking me for help. Yeah. So it's like, just an egotistical tennis match. Exactly. Yeah. And also too, going back to my dad, one thing he always told me growing up was it doesn't matter how much effort you put in. It doesn't like, mm. it doesn't matter to other people at least. How much effort you put in it only matters to you. What matters to other people is the result. Yeah. You can put hours and hours and hours into research. And if you don't find the answer for the person that you're doing it for, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They're never going to care. You could you could push your own boundaries of I put this much time and effort in and be proud of that and be you know happy that you did that. And then the result comes back and it's out of your control, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, it's it's how do I find the the answer fastest mm-hmm. but actually find the answer yeah that uh that's a really good point like i definitely experienced that last semester over an assignment with one of my professors where i thought i was graded unfairly and i emailed him and i was talking about like all the effort i put in mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he just emailed back it was like yeah, effort's good, but like it still has to like meet different requirements that I have. Mm-hmm. So you can tell me you put all this effort in, but it doesn't really matter if the solution isn't what I'm looking for. Right. And I was like, ah, fair. I was like, I still put a lot of effort in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then my brain, my brain was just like, but bro, I wasted so many nights on this assignment, or I wasted so much time, or mm. I reached out to these people, or find these sources, or whatever it was. And yeah, but then it comes to a point where it's like, ah, that does make sense though. Yeah. It's like that's even what it is in, in the business world, I'm sure. Like you weren't really measured on effort, you're measured on outcome more often than not. Mm. Like I can say I really tried to make a create a relationship with this new client, but if it's like the relationship isn't created or if I didn't sell them the thing I'm supposed to sell them or there's no plan to have business with them, then it doesn't mm. really matter if I tried. Right. I mean, it does in a sense. You tried and maybe what immediately comes isn't what you wanted mm-hmm. doesn't mean it was a waste of time right mm-hmm. i think about it like let's say you put a effort into a project like you did with that professor's class you may have you may have learned something through that process mm-hmm. of okay i spent three nights in a row working on this project i wasted a lot of time on a certain aspect of it versus actually finding out this part of it mm. now next time you go back to the project or a project like that you're like okay what do I actually need to do instead of wasting time finding 15 different sources exactly. for this project? Because I'm only speaking on my own writing papers. I'm I'm the source man. Yeah. I, I find like 500 <laughs> sources and I maybe use like three. Yeah. Three of them utilize mo- for most of the assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely fair. It's like there are lessons that you learn, but it's so easy. Like you, the emotional reaction is like, but you don't know how much effort I yeah. put in. You don't know the time I put in. Like then you then you come to this point where you're like, you only see the outcome, but you don't see what went into it. It's like <laughs> bro, if the outcome's trash, the outcome's trash. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't be expecting them to know the specific amount of time you spent, the amount of the amount you pushed your brain to try to come up with the solution, the the amount of time you spent communicating with people, whatever it was. Like you can't expect them to know all these things and take into account. Like, oh, he he definitely tried. I know the outcome's, like, mm-hmm. way below what we expect, but he, he definitely tried, so I'll give him some credit. Some like, money, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think about that with real estate, man. It's like you can put all this effort and speak to all these different people in the mm-hmm. city, the municipality, you know, every single person possible. 
and it still doesn't give you any reward. And I, I think of the person, the buyer, seller, I've been like, you know, I'll give him a thousand dollars. Like, no, like it didn't come out the way it needed to. Yeah. It sucks. Like I've had that happen with buyers. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, I remember one guy where I was talking to the city for like probably a whole week, just calling them about, just trying to get them on the phone over and over about mm-hmm. the dang floodplains. And finally get the answer, and like this is like this lot is gonna be flooded most of the time. Yeah, that's why nobody's bought it or built on it. And I finally tell the guy after a week, and he's like, "Okay, good, it's good working with you." It just moves on. <laughs> and I was like, "Man, I learned my lesson on that one." Yeah. But then again, I did. I did learn how to navigate cities. Mm-hmm. Do not call them. Just well, some of them don't call them, or just send in a request. Because the request, the way I got information was by emailing a request waiting a week and then them calling me so i learned don't even bother with this Ah. city it was a city of the county of kenosha Mm. so i was like okay every time i'm dealing with the county of kenosha just send it in and and freaking wait (laughs) yeah don't don't even bother unless you have it in or you know the person personally exactly that's a good takeaway oh Yeah, I'm thinking because then you also learn, you learn, okay, effort really doesn't matter. Like the solution just matters. Like you're like, okay, I went from calling them all the time to trying to do whatever I had to to communicate with the people I need. And now you're like, okay, all I have to do is just submit a request and then wait. Mm. So maybe you spent, let's say, three, four hours trying to find a solution the first time. And now you're like, okay, 20 minutes. Yeah. And I just wait for them. Yeah. And I think. I think this is the, what's the word for it? The outcome and the effort are both equally, are both equal regardless. Like you can think, oh, the outcome is most important. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, I wouldn't say that because it, the, you get into the the avenue of, oh, this isn't important because it doesn't lead me to the outcome. Like mm-hmm. it probably could lead you to the outcome that you want, but mm-hmm. you don't know because you think it doesn't. Yeah. And both of them are just as important. Just because you're working towards being a millionaire doesn't mean that the whole time you're working towards it isn't as important as mm-hmm. being the millionaire in some point in the future. Mm. So how do you take that that idea, that concept, and then compare it to the idea of the sunk cost fallacy? Mm. So understanding, okay, there's a point at which I have to ignore the costs I've I've pretty much spent on a certain idea. Right. So let's let's say I'm like, I want to be a millionaire. Right. And I spend 10, 15 years in sales and only end up making 150K per year. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep doing the same thing. Same thing. I'm going to get there. Like, this is the way I'm going to be a millionaire. Right. And then I die at, I don't know, 55 from <laughs> heart attack. Yeah. Over exhaustion. Stroke, stroke exhaustion, heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do you, how do you, I don't quite know how to word the question, but are those two ideas at odds with each other of effort and then sunk cost? So putting an effort versus knowing when mm. the solution you're going for doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing it for, at some point you got to learn when to pivot. Yeah. You got to know when to pivot. You got to know when to change courses. Mm-hmm. Um. Do those others at odds with each other? Uh, I, maybe. 
Yeah. <laughs> the only reason I'd say maybe is because you're doing the thing, right? And you think that, oh, I need to continue to do it because I've already put this much time and effort into it. Mm. Then you're just blinded by pure, that's ego, man. That really is. Like I put so, I'm so good. I put so much time and effort into this. It's so because I'm doing it because I'm putting the effort and time into it. Mm-hmm. Because of that, it's going to eventually work out. Mm. Now, if you see an avenue where it works out, that's fine. But if you really have no clear vision of what that avenue can lead you to, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That At that point, you got to really adjust and assess it at least. Yeah. It's like putting, like you're saying, like you, let's say you work on your, a business and you put, I don't know, $100,000 into it, mm-hmm. five years of your life, and it still hasn't taken off. You need to assess why it hasn't taken off first instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to pivot, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be like, okay, this there's just no market for this. I am advertising to newspapers to do this. Like, newspapers are dying, right? Yeah. And ironic, this one right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paper. And at that point, you got to be like, okay, this didn't work out. But then if you're like sunk cost fallacy, I put five years into this. Um, I don't, what's the word for it? I already put five years in this time and effort. I'm just going to go back to a job. Mm. I'm not going to try again. Yeah. That's like the sunk cost fallacy of I put so much time and effort into it. Like it obviously isn't going to work out because one idea didn't play out. Mm. Okay. Yeah. When I, when I think of the sunk cost fallacy, it's the idea of continuing despite knowledge of the lost cause. So it's like, um, like, right. Yeah. yeah. I see that. That's not the sunk cost fallacy necessarily. I was thinking about it like, I sunk this much time and effort into it to get out of the position I'm in. Yeah. So I've already put this much time and effort into it. That's yeah. That's not really a sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. Wasted time and effort, or not wasted. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're right about the idea of it. I just always think of it as like continuing. So I always think of relationships like, like that's why people stay in these really bad marriages and stuff like that because you're like. I already put so much time in it. We already have two kids. They're going to be in college soon. As soon as they graduate, then like mm. we'll, we'll end the relationship or we'll end the marriage. Um, and they just like, they're like, okay, I, I spent all this money, have this house already. Like I'll put up with this woman again for like another half of years. Yeah. Then the reverse, like the woman, she's like, oh, I'm almost going to, I don't know, get half his stuff. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'm going to get half his stuff. <laughs> so I'll stay with him because when we get divorced and I get 50% and that 50% is pretty big. <sighs> Dude. And meanwhile, him, he's like, I'm going to run away with this woman. And then he ends up with half his stuff and then the woman leaves and yeah. Yeah. Sleeps in a trailer or whatever. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> On a blow up mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well the blow matches really got you there (laughs) i know i was just imagining how sad that would be i was just literally picturing how you put that how do you how you create a movie scene with that oh yeah like the lighting we just shows this is playing the somber music and he's just doing rolling it out trying to puff it up into like deflating (laughs) that was so depressing in my head dang dude (laughs) I think I should make a sad short story about a, a horrible marriage. Uh, it was funny. I'm oh, wow. sure people would love it. Yeah. People would <laughs> love that thing that you created. Oh, man. Whew. 
<clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I love that I can hear that. The little whistles, yeah. the whistle laughs. <laughs> I'm so glad I can hear those now. Before before I could only hear them in the studio. Oh my goodness. That's oh. classic, dude. Yeah. So looking for. Okay. <laughs> All right, if you guys want to read Justice's short story and whatever the heck he, he's talking about. <laughs> dude. Bro, are you saying it's are you saying it's harder to visualize that? Like how sad that would be? Do I think it's hard to visualize that? Yeah. No. Can, okay. Yeah. I wonder what song would be playing. <laughs> In the arms of the angels. <laughs> For this man who lost his wife and family who's living in a yeah. trailer with rolling out a mattress. <sighs> Mattress deflates on that note. He's like, <laughs> he does that. He slams the table. Oh my goodness. Ah, oh, yeah. I don't know, bro. Sometimes I find sad parts in movies funny, so that's why I'm just I'm dying laughing at this idea because I think it'd be hilarious. What song would I play at the end just to make that just the most ironic thing possible? This is a really happy song. Yeah. Dude. That's a good song. Yeah. Um, few minutes left. What do you want to talk about? Anything cool? Exciting? Um a mess all over my muted. <laughs> <laughs> I know, bro. One thing I was thinking about. Oop. Yeah, bro, I was going to talk. Oh, I thought you actually had something to talk about. No, I don't. <laughs> you got nothing to talk about? <laughs> I got nothing. Oh, man. Except we might be seeing Batman. Yes, we might be seeing Batman tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yes. That'll be sick. I'm excited to see uh, to see Zoe. <clears throat> Miss Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all my thoughts right That's all your thoughts of that? <laughs> Yeah, it's been a it's it's gonna be the first Batman I see in theaters ever. Really, I've never seen a Batman in theaters. Wait, me too. Yeah, I mean, Dark Knight came out, but that was like when we were ten. Yeah, and that, that I was literally yeah like ten, twelve, whatever it was. My parents were like, "No, nope, we'll keep Barney on or whatever we watching at that time." The ten, dude. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> At that point, you're watching the most depressing things possible, yeah. bro. <laughs> to come up with these ideas. Yeah. I don't even know what you were watching. You were watching <laughs> Schindler's List over and over. <laughs> Just watching the Titanic scene. The Titanic, but only the sad scene. Yeah, yeah. On repeat. Your VHS didn't didn't have the first half of the movie. It only when the ship started sinking is that when it started. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. This will be the first one for me, too. So that's exciting. Dude, dude, I've not seen. That's the that's the thing too is music, like the soundtracks. Mm. I can only imagine what the Dark Knight and the Dark, the Return of the Dark Knight, the Rise of the Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises, yeah. Dark Knight right. Rises. Jeez, I got everyone right except for that. <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises. Those soundtracks I've never heard with Hans Zimmer. I don't know if he's 
orchestrating this one too. Mm, good, good question. But it's probably a good orchestrator because <clears throat> the trailer had some good, good sounds in it too. Mm-hmm. So that was in the theater. I would assume are going to be something else. Yeah, the Batman movie soundtracks have have been really good. At least the Dark Knight trilogy. I can't speak for the George Clooney Batman or mm. the other Batmans, but the Dark Knight soundtracks were really, really good. Um, and I'm excited for this one too, for sure. Yes, boy. Yeah. Anything else, my brother? No, man. Oh, okay. well, this has been HTG Podcast. This Justice Gill and Danny Norton signing off. We'll see you guys next time. Salute.